You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Well, this morning, I would like to start out by sharing a birthday present that I received when I was seven years old. Can you guys see what that is from up here? It's a silver dollar. A silver dollar. I took a picture of it so you can see it a little bit more clearly. I got this from my sponsor, Quentin Holtz. I thought it was a pretty special, special gift. But looking at the head side, what president are we looking at up there? Dwight D. Eisenhower, or Ike. I heard you, Duane. Ike. Yeah, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Who can remember what his title was during the end of World War II? Because he was in charge of all of the Allied forces. But what was his title? Supreme Allied Commander. We're just going to say Supreme Commander to keep things simple this morning. Now, what about the date? Do you see the date up there? 1971. 1971. So in 1971, this silver dollar was a little more shiny because it was brand new. It's still not too bad, but when it's been sitting in about five different, different uh, underwear drawers, in the last 25 years, it's not quite as shiny anymore. Here's a little closer look at the tail side. Does anyone see what's in the middle? It's an eagle. Now, I did a little research, and researching silver dollars, most, if not all, silver dollars have an eagle of some kind that's in the middle. And researching eagles a little bit, they are a sign of freedom or a symbol of freedom. So you have supreme commander on one side and you have freedom on the other side. Both sides of the coin kind of go together, don't they? There would be no freedom without the supreme commander. The, C, the Supreme Commander, Dwight D. Eisenhower, who led the Allied forces to free the world from evil. Well, thankfully, since World War II, we don't have any evil in the world anymore. For the last 80 years, nations finally are getting along. There's no more jealousy in the world. There's no more envy. There's no more sin. There's no more evil. I'm so thankful that the creatures of this world have reverted back to the days of Adam and Eve's first days when God's creation was perfect and harmonious. A time of no government corruption, a time when man trusted God, a time when man obeyed God, a time when there was no need 
for a supreme commander and freedom. Yes, the Allied victory 80 years ago brought us back to the beginning again, didn't it? What a wonderful world we live in today. Now you're either thinking that Victor Rathke has completely lost his mind or his sarcasm has a point. Let's go with the second option. You see, evil still reigns, doesn't it? Governments are still corrupt. God's special creatures, and that's you and that's me, we don't always obey and we don't always trust God. We're in trouble. We're in big trouble. Because we've turned our backs on God. Why? Because it's in our nature. We're born into sin. It's what we confessed as good Lutherans, don't you know? Most merciful God, we confess that by nature we are sinful and unclean. I had an instructor about 25 years ago at Concordia University in Seward. In the summertime, I was getting, getting my uh, master's in secondary education administration. I don't really remember his name, but I do remember something that he said all of the time, a phrase he used all of the time, every single class. Deep doo-doo. That's right, he was trying to help us future administrators stay out of deep doo-doo. Avoid messing up, making mistakes, or we would end up in deep doo-doo. How do you think that's gone for me the last 25 years? I've been in plenty of deep doo-doo. But see, that's the point. We, on our own, we can't avoid the deep doo-doo in our lives. Why? Because we're born into deep doo-doo. It's by our nature. We have been rebelling against God from the moment Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. One law. One law. And they couldn't keep it. They wanted to be like God more than they wanted to worship and adore God. In our Old Testament reading this morning, a group of people are in deep doo-doo, aren't they? I knew you guys would giggle at that. <laughs> what people am I referring to? The city of Nineveh. Nineveh. So our story this morning actually picks up in part two, but if you remember part one, God had asked Jonah a first time to go deliver a message to these horrible, sinful people who had turned their backs on God, and the whole city was just evil through and through. So evil that God was ready to wipe them off the face of the earth. But Jonah didn't want to do it. He didn't want to save these people. They weren't worth saving. 
So he got in a merchant ship and he went the complete opposite direction. You know the story. And you also know the end of that story. He gets swallowed by a big fish and finally gets puked up onto land after three days. Humbled. But not completely humbled. This is where our story picks up this morning. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. God's going to give him a second chance. Saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So that's what Jonah did. Jonah went to the city and he preached to the people. He told them, Repent. You've got 40 days or you're going to be destroyed. And then a funny thing happened. They listened. And they repented. They went from their evil ways. Like Miss Lori told the kiddos, and they fasted. And they put on sackcloth. And they sat in piles of ashes. So did it work? Did God change his mind and not wipe them off the face of the earth? Well, let's look at verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. My friends, that's called mercy. God's mercy. Now, last Saturday afternoon, Pastor Gerber was busy preparing a devotion for all of us snowed-in bound people. But it wasn't necessarily about mercy, his message. It was related. It was the other side of the coin. Who remembers? Begins with G. Grace. It's so hard for you not to answer questions, isn't it? I listen to myself. You do? Okay. That's right. God's grace. They are related, but they're not exactly the same. Like I said, they're kind of like the same coin, but two different sides. Related, but not quite the same. For the most part, we are more familiar with grace than mercy. We talk about grace more. The Apostle Paul writes in his letters about grace all of the time. Mercy a little bit. So grace is very important. And it's something that we should preach and teach about. It's something that hopefully I am familiar with because I just got done with my 8th seminary class and guess what it was called? Means of grace. So if I were to ask you this morning to give me a definition or a short phrase that would describe means of grace, what might you say? Anyone brave enough to shout something out? Getting something you don't deserve. Boom. I like it. Anybody else? God's 
riches at Christ's expense. There's lots of really good ways to describe grace. This is what Pastor Gerber and I came up with on Monday morning. Grace, a free gift, getting what I don't deserve. And what is it that we deserve, that we don't deserve, that we get? Three pretty important things. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. Yeah, grace is a pretty big deal, isn't it? The Apostle Paul reminded us last week, Pastor Gerber uh, read this verse last Saturday, verse 21 of chapter 5, so that as sin reigned in death, and we're all sinful, and it equals death, for the wages of sin is death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we are only righteous through what Christ did for us. Apart from Christ, there is no grace. Yet still, no matter how sinful we are, God's grace is more. Do you remember the phrase that Pastor Gerber said about ten times? Grace is greater than all our sins. Just like the song. I think you have a good handle on grace this morning, but what about mercy? Is it related to grace? Yes. Is it the same thing? Not necessarily. You see, with grace, we get something we don't deserve, forgiveness, life, and salvation. With mercy, we don't get something that we do deserve. And what is that, you might ask? What is it that we deserve that we don't get? Death. Getting wiped off the face of the earth, right? Mercy. Not getting what we deserve, getting wiped off the face of the earth. Death. It's what Jonah wished for. He wished death. He wished the people of Nineveh to get wiped off the face of the earth because they were sinful. But you see, that wasn't Jonah's job. Jonah wasn't the judge. Jonah wasn't the jury. He was simply the messenger. But actually, Jonah was right, you know. They did deserve to, give, to be wiped off the face of the earth. But this is where the reality check hits us today. We do too. We're born into sin from the day we were conceived. We have been sinful by nature. We don't deserve God's mercy or grace. But again, we keep confessing it. We confess in our lives that I am sinful, but does it ever sink in? Does it always sink in? I 
a poor, miserable sinner? Isn't it the other guys? Shouldn't they be confessing? Shouldn't the people of Nineveh be confessing? But we confess, I, a poor, miserable sinner. By your nature, you are sinful. By your nature, you are unclean. In other words, you are not worthy to be saved. That's the reality this morning. But God isn't out to destroy you, to give you what you deserve. You see, he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus into this world. Not to destroy you, but to save you. John 3, 17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now that's mercy, that's grace. Two sides of the same coin. Because of mercy and grace, our past is no more. Let me say that again. Because of mercy and grace, our past is no more. God's mercy coin might look like this. Jesus is our supreme commander, isn't he? He's given us his word, a word that shows us the way to salvation, even though we don't deserve it. But instead of wiping us off the face of the earth, he has mercy on us, poor, miserable sinners. And the other side of this coin, well, it might look like this. The Lord's Supper, right? The Lord's Supper, one of our means of grace. There are three other means of grace. Besides the Lord's Supper where the very body and very blood comes to us to strengthen and preserve our faith through God forgiving us our sins. Even though we don't deserve it. Even though we haven't earned it. There's also baptism. His grace also comes to us in Holy baptism. His grace comes to us through the written and oral word of God. Little did you know that God's grace has been coming to you today already, just sitting here, listening to the word of God read to you, listening to the word of God preached to you. It's a means of grace. And he comes to us through private and public confession of our sins. This means of grace you will receive in just a few short minutes from now. You see, these coins do go together, don't they? Mercy and grace. Two sides of the same coin revealing the love God has for his people. Mercy not giving us what we deserve. Grace giving us what we don't 
deserve. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son, that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into this world to wipe it off the face of the earth, to condemn the world. No, he sent Jesus here to save the world, to save you and to save me. That's mercy. That's grace. Our past is no more. Amen? Amen. Amen.